All right, welcome to our podcast, which is focusing on instructional improvement for our collaborative inquiry project. And you are listening to Emily Brink and Becca Berman. And we're missing Rachel because we're all doing different things this semester. Um, so we did have to edit down like what we're doing for our podcast and what we're doing for our project. So um, what's that? Because there have been babies and back <laughs> surgeries. And, and a lot of things. Real life things. Going on. So this is kind of an updated an improved version. Um, so we're going to jump into what our project looked like. And our project description, which is listed on our rubric itself, is to complete many observations of colleagues at South Medford using a variety of different mini observation and walkthrough templates that we found online and from various organizations and districts, including our own um, Medford School District SOTEL mini evaluation form. And together, we wanted and we're planning to create our own version of the ideal mini observation template and include reflection through this podcast. Um, and this project did include collaboration between Becca and I, as well as Rachel. And all of the materials will be linked in our shared folder so that you can see all of our actual observations, as well as the form that we designed. Um, so why did we choose this project for for all of us, we really wanted to focus on instructional improvement um, and how we can practice the skill of evaluating without judgment and providing those objective observations and really focus on the art of supervision communication and practicing having those conversations surrounding teaching and learning and engagement, goal setting, and then growth that essentially was driven by the expert teacher themselves, but we did find out later that those conversations were difficult to have and also didn't seem like it was our place to have that conversation with teachers. So we ended up having discussions amongst ourselves about the the observations that we recorded objectively and how we would frame those conversations later with those expert teachers. Um, so that did kind of change the course of action. Plus with time, it was difficult to get in back into the classroom to have those conversations. So that was kind of the why behind it. And then also in our own practice the past few years and with the turnover of administrators and teachers in our own building, we did notice that there wasn't as much instructional improvement emphasis at our own school and in our own building. And there's probably a ton of reasons for that, but we really wanted um, more refining in our own teaching practice. And um, should I cite the article right now? <laughs> go for um, it. I'm just going to go for it. But I did cite this earlier in some of um, what I wrote for my first reflection. But in the article, uh, One Piece of the Whole by Linda Darling Hammond, she talks about how most teachers do want more from the evaluation system, that they crave useful feedback and the challenge and counsel that would enable them to improve. And far, she says, far from ducking the issue of evaluation, they want more robust systems that are useful, fair, and pointed at productive development. And in my own practice, I just, I couldn't agree more. I have also realized that um, in my eighth year of teaching that I've kind of flown under the radar as a teacher because either I wasn't a heavy hitter where they needed to come in and check on me or put me on a plan of assistance, which is a good thing, but I'm craving more of that in my own practice because I'm always wanting to improve and refine. Um, and then the last thing, and then I'll let Becca talk because <laughs> I'm talking a lot. Um, I've also realized that 
as we've kind of embarked on this journey of going into classrooms that instructional improvement is an area that needs to be strengthened in our own building um, and that I do have like a deep passion about what takes place in the classroom as well as promoting positive student learning outcomes. Um, and so I do feel that standard two, my instructional improvement is a big axiom, core axiom of like who I am and what I want my leadership style to be like. My only fear, however, is that the current evaluation system could become a, an act of compliance as we noted with some of these forms. And, and instead of it be, being an act of compliance, I want it to be more authentic. And we can dive more into that later, but that's my why, which is big and a lot. Um, do you have anything you wanna add? to it? Um, no, that was really well said. <laughs> no, my why is because as a new teacher, I did find myself craving a lot of that feedback and a lot of the feedback I had received didn't really help change or form my instructional practice. So I did want more. It was more of a, you're doing fine. You're doing great. And like Emily was talking about, I did want more. Um, and I do think that there are so many changes that it's hard to really establish something. So an article that we read, the complex teacher um, evaluations article by Mike Schmoker. Um, he said that there's an emphasis on making things clear and simple and focusing on those few things. So that's something that really resonated with me. Um, I also found myself wanting to understand kind of the whole observation system and why we get the feedback we do and what that really looks like. So maybe understanding if I could go into a classroom and see what it's like to observe a teacher. Maybe that will help me understand the observations that have been done of me. And I did find it really difficult to objectively view something that's going on in a classroom without putting my lens to it or without projecting what I would do in that classroom so setting. Yeah. So that was an interesting thing for me. So my why is just because I wanted to know about the process. I wanted to practice it. It feels a little bit unnatural for me and awkward to observe and give feedback to people. So it's just an area that I feel like I needed to be strengthened in. So that's my why. Sweet. So the process we went through to jump into coaching and evaluation is um, we started off with reviewing literature about teacher evaluations and observations, which we looked at a lot of the articles that were provided by you in our class. Um, and then we contacted a handful of trusted colleagues at South. Um, and some teachers, it was interesting just in that interaction, some teachers were very like defensive immediately and yeah. not open to having us come into their classrooms whatsoever. And then other people were like, come in whenever you want. And some people even said, don't tell me when you're coming in so that I don't stress myself out. Um, so just that one uh, or like all those different responses goes along with what we talked about, that teaching is such a personal um, thing for people that they're so attached to it. So as we, we walk in and, and start these conversations, we have to keep that in mind that um, it is such a personal thing for so many people. And we did find some of our colleagues did want feedback. They were also craving feedback and felt like they weren't getting it. They were like, please come in, please give us ideas. Please tell us, you know, the things that you're seeing in areas that you think we can improve on. So that was also really cool to see. And then from there, we found various walkthrough observation forms like Becca and Rachel went crazy with finding stuff on the internet, um, crazy in a good way. And we found lots of different things that we could use. So we'll talk about the four that we chose to use, which will go into potentially what we'll create on our own form. 
Um, we observed then at that point teachers using those different observation forms. Anything you want to add before I move on? No, I just, I thought it was interesting that there was not one uniform place where we could get multiple different types of forms. Mm -hmm. We did kind of have to search. And so we found a lot of things that were all over the place and very different. Uh, I think it would be beneficial if there was like one resource that we could go to, to get multiple different types of forms. And then um, after we observed teachers, we did a collaborative reflection on both the teaching and the observation forms and discussed what worked well and what didn't work. Um, and then the, the goal is to create an ideal form from what we learned. Um, and we chose to, instead of discuss our reflections with the teachers because of time constraints and, and just the awkwardness of it all, we, we discussed what we would say to those teachers kind of like we did in class with what was the the teacher and the trusted friend and the principal. I don't remember, I don't remember what that exercise was, but um, that's kind of like how we framed and practiced the conversation. So that was the process. And then from there, oh, is it me again? Yeah, we're going to get into our observation. actual observation. So we'll start with our first observation and with the fourth observation we did and give you a rundown of what the actual observation form looked like that you can find in our shared folder that we turn this in on. Um, and then tell you what were some strengths or weaknesses that we found in using this form. Right, so the first one, um, the first class we walked into together was a ceramics classroom. And we used the Boston Collegiate Charter School five to 10 minute observation form that you can find in our folder. And if you look at it, it's a bunch of checklists or like checkoff points um, where it's basically providing prompts for what we should be looking for in the classroom and in the teacher's practice. And honestly, like looking at it, it's a lot. Like in a five to 10 minute walkthrough, it was very difficult to identify all these components and look for all these different things. Like I almost felt very, I felt stressed out with this form, even though it was nice that it, it was prompting me to look for specific things that were best practice. Um, so I did appreciate that it did remind me as a practicing administrator what it is what that teaching does look like that's that's powerful that's strong that's best practice but at the same time like i said it just seemed like a little too much for 5 to 10 minutes and then um just some other things were really vague um like here additional notes um and then the different types of learning on the backside, and it, there's just a lot going on. So if I were to create a form, I would maybe limit what it is I'm looking for, at least organize it a little bit better. And we, from that teacher, we walked away with, um, we had a discussion about different things that we would provide in terms of feedback. Do we want to talk about that? Sure. For the ceramics. Um, so we just recorded that we were trying to record objective observation about what was observable. Um, and so we wrote down comments like he asked students to clarify directions. He provided an agenda definitions on the board with a learning target. Teacher provided positive feedback and redirects for students. Um, Lots of checks for understanding. Um, the agenda was on the board, the learning targets were on the board, and he was utilizing the technology in order to make that happen. Um, there was kinesthetic activity and learning going on, students, there were multi multiple sensory materials and outlets being provided for the students. And the other thing that in, and I kind of wanted to get into this later, but it seems like it fits here, 
in terms of providing those conversations um, in the podcast that we listened to, I'm trying to remember who it was by Marshall, oh no, no, Cult of Pedagogy, Pedagogy podcast by Jennifer Gonzalez. Um, and she was talking about how Marshall Goldsmith was coining this idea of the feed forward um, model. That kind of helped me think about what type of feedback I could give her in a feed forward way. And then she also talked about, and I think this was by Joe Hirsch in that podcast, about being the mirror holder um, instead of a window gazer. And then providing those four sentence starters to begin the conversation, which really did help me think about how I'd frame these conversations. So um, the four sentence starters would be, I noticed, blank, I wonder this, what if this, or how might you have done whatever. So as we talked about what we saw, we practiced those sentence starters and that observation. And so I think that concludes if there's anything else that you want me to talk about. No. So the second observation that we did was in another art type class. So we went in there, we used um, an informal observation form. It was another walkthrough form that was meant for about a 10 minute evaluation. Um, Something that I liked about this is in the very beginning, there were prompting questions that said, what were the students doing? What was the teacher doing? Um, something that was hard about that is what I observed today included. There was a very limiting checklist of things that you could include. So you may or may not have observed any of those things and also wasn't an accurate representation for things that were going on in the class either. Um, there was another box for evaluator summary comments, and that was difficult because it doesn't really direct you to say, okay, these are the things that I'm actually looking for. Um, and then there was a box for questions to ponder. Um, so I just, questions that I had that came up during the lessons is, what would it look like to have a pre-assessment digitally because something we observed is that they took a lot of time on the opener because all of the students were filling their, <coughs> their papers out at their desks while simultaneously looking up at the board. So um, just ways maybe that could speed the class up. I found myself writing comments on the back because it didn't really provide a good structure as far as note-taking went or things that I could bring up later. So I kind of just went rogue on the back with my own <laughs> commentary. So then that poses the question, am I really observing things that are gonna provide effective feedback or improvement of instructional practice for that teacher? Um, so those were kind of some weaknesses of that informal observation form. So it looked really simple when you first glance at it. So I like that it was only a page because that makes it a lot easier to focus on the lesson if you're not looking at an overwhelming list of things that you should check off or be answering. But the questions provided there were not very direct and left it up to me to kind of determine what I thought I should be looking for. Um, something that I liked out of a piece of the literature that we had in classes, Marcus Buckingham discovered that performance and morale of both employees and managers skyrockets when the managers severely reduce the number of criteria by which they judge on the employee's performance, but also have crystal um, clarity for those few criteria. So it was short, 
but I don't feel like it had clarity in what it was I was trying to evaluate. Okay, number three, we walked into a culinary arts classroom. And um, what I think I enjoyed about the classrooms we chose so far is that they were much different than like the standard classrooms that we teach in. So like in teaching the language arts classroom, Rebecca is in a health um, and Rachel's also in language arts, as we know, the structure is so much different. So like seeing the arts in a different way and seeing how that structure differs was really great insight for me as an evaluator, as a, as an observer, just to see like how my own judgments or how my own thinking about my own teaching can muddle, um, what it is I'm looking for, what it is that I, that I'm seeing in these other classrooms. So, so culinary arts is a different structure once again, and we actually missed the beginning, um, where that was like the most direct instruction I'm sure that she was giving. So we walked in when all the kids were up and moving around and, we use a, a different classroom observation form and it doesn't even say where it's from, but I actually enjoyed pieces of it because on the left side, it's like a, it's a, a graph or not a graph, but a, what is this thing called? A chart. Yeah. <laughs> and um, on the left side, it talks about what we're looking for specifically and underneath the big topic, it has um, like best practices we should be looking for. So as I was um, observing, I would take some of those prompts and put them in the right side or the right hand column and that actually helped me with the observation itself as to like oh she's doing that or she there's evidence of that so it helped me um, more experience her classroom in general rather than focusing on all these boxes I had to check so um, I appreciated that but on the other hand it, there is a lot going on on that form so it's two sides and there are 10 topics or 10 categories to look for with all these different things underneath it and it was just seemed like a lot to do in five to ten minutes as you're walking through um and I, I noticed myself struggle I appreciated culinary arts and I could tell the kids really enjoyed what they were doing but I struggled as an administrator or practicing administrator because I walked around and the kids couldn't articulate to me what it is they were learning and there was no learning objective posted and I, I didn't see that anywhere um, and so that was hard walking in halfway through, maybe she mentioned it, but at the same time, I'm seeing my judgment come in, um, and, and I'm thinking, well, why isn't it posted for the whole class to see at this point? And, um, why are all the students not able to tell me what it is specifically they're learning about blueberry muffins? <laughs> so, um, those are things that I found myself like, is that a judgment or is that something that is related and connected to, what we should be observing and what is best practice. So, um, so that was a difficult transition for me. Um, but overall I did like that form. And I think if we are to, if we were to create one, I would use some of this structure just because I appreciated how it looked and how, um, I could navigate it pretty well. Yeah. Something that was also interesting, um, that we're going to talk about a little bit later about our strengths as leaders and how we're going to use that to improve um, instructional practices is we found in that class there was a lot of explanations or justifications for student behaviors or mm -hmm. maybe why students did or didn't do something and justifying, oh, I explained this in the beginning or I, I promise I said this so many times. Um, I think all three of us didn't want teachers to her and 
particular to feel like we were coming in there judging. It was more of a situation of we want to come alongside and really just see what's going on in there. So hopefully through our skill as a relator, our strength as a relator. Since we're uh, both relators. Yes. <laughs> relator is both of our number one. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we can create an environment where teachers do feel safe and trust us and don't feel like they have to be defensive when we come into their classrooms. And that's what I think I talked about that in the beginning about um, well, and I, it's even written on my notes here from your from January class at presupposing the positive and making sure that teachers know that we believe that they are the expert in their classroom and they do know what is best for students. Um, and then the final observation that we're going to talk about, which we started using a performance assessment for school leaders, the PASL walkthrough observation form. I just wanted to throw in really quickly that we started using this form and we tossed it out within the first 30 seconds of trying to observe because it's just really all over the place. It seems like it didn't really fit the class and I don't know if it was because it was a PE class or it it just was a really interesting form. Um, the fourth form that we used was actually Medford School District's SOTEL form, which stands for Safety, Objectives, Teaching, Engagement, and Learning. Um, I actually found this to be one of my favorite forms, mm-hmm. and I don't know if it's because I already know what the expectations are for this form, and there's common language established around this, which is one of the pieces going back to our article about having crystal clarity um, and abandoning any language that could confuse a practitioner. Mm-hmm. And that was in our Why Complex Teacher Evaluation Systems Don't Work by Mike Schmoker. Um, I liked it because it defined safety as a climate that is conducive to intellectual risk-taking, supportive physical, social, emotional behavior, and then it gives a key question and even shows an example or has an example of what effective looks like. So mm-hmm. key question, can students focus on the learning? And then effective looks like students and or adults feel physically, socially, emotionally, and psychologically safe. And then there's a space to provide evidence of that particular thing right there underneath of the description. And so I feel like that provides like allows the administrator to have ownership over what feedback they're providing also. Right. Um, and so this was in a gym. So it was really hard. So just an example of safety and a climate that is conducive to intellectual risk taking and supportive. It was really hard to hear in the gym. So then something that we could put down Um, is that there was an echo in the gym and it was hard to hear. So what does that look like for all students? What if students have a hearing impairment? So that's just something that we, do they feel safe and supported in that environment? Um, There were students, so it said, something I wrote down in my notes is, student push another student, it was addressed immediately by the teacher. So that's showing that those students are safe in that environment. The teacher knows what's going on in the room. It's a PE class. Kids are going to be up and physical and doing those things. Um, For objectives, there were no objectives posted anywhere. So the key question, were there lessons? Um, Was the lesson posted anywhere? And there was no evidence of an objective or the standard posted anywhere. So I was able to write underneath that, just write no evidence posted of objective. And so that's something that I can go back and use later just when I'm asking questions of that teacher. And then teaching, so the key question is learning or working being skillfully orchestrated, and then right underneath there's a space to provide what that exact feedback or data is. 
Um, and so direct instruction, establishing attendance routine for PE, procedures for dressing down locker routines. So these are just objective things that I observed that fit in with all of those things. And then engagement, um, something going back to using that objective statements or questioning. Four students were being told to jog, walked. Three students not in proper attire as per the instructions right before saying what those were. So those are all very objective things. And then learning, are all the students and um, students or adults getting it? So on that, you can just say ask questions about procedures. So how do you check for understandings um, in students in PE? So just going around asking the students, do you know this procedure? Do you know what's going on? And then recording that information about what students didn't know was going on. So I actually don't have any negative feedback on this one. It was my favorite one. Um, it was clear, everything was objective, it was outlined, everybody knew what the expectations were. Um, so I think that in that played a big role in creating our own. Okay, and then it looks like we're just gonna wrap up, um, which we need to because we only intended to speak for 15 minutes and we're <laughs> at 25 minutes already. So we're gonna just reflect um, and try to integrate how the observation experience, experiences align with the, our standards and our leadership strengths and then overall just what we learned. Um, so obviously we talked about earlier that our leadership strengths were both relators and being number one. And so we really wanna take that relational approach to everything that we do in leadership, but specifically it has to be um, very intentional as we focus on instructional improvement in our buildings if we take on that principal role in the future. Um, and so I know for me that instructional improvement is when I think about what it would look like to be a building leader, instructional improvement was like the first thing on my, my list of that's so important to me, like knowing what's going on in classrooms and knowing whether or not students are engaged in the learning and what that process looks like and how to come alongside teachers and support them and give them the, the feed forward that they need to improve and really feel like they th they're thriving in their job. Um, and thriving in, in what it, it means to be an effective instruct, um, instructor. So that's a big part for me. And I know that if I want that to be one of my, um, the things I focus on as, as a building leader, I'm struggling with talking <laughs> at the moment, um, that I need a lot of work in making sure that I'm, I'm solid in instructional practices. So um, that connects to my leadership strengths with Relator. And then the last thing, and then I'll let Becca wrap up, is we learned that um, this process is much more difficult than we originally thought. As I, as I was thinking about what it would be like to walk into a classroom, I was like, oh, I got this. I do this every single day. This should be a lot easier said than done. Um, and maybe that's what I meant, is that it was easier said than done. Um, walking into somebody's domain and and not even really knowing what it is they're specifically teaching or how it aligns to standards, which I did write about in my last reflection. Like what is the what and the why behind the content being taught, especially walking from a language um, arts classroom into um, like a culinary arts classroom and how does this relate to high stakes testing? And um, like in my classroom, high st stakes testing is a big part of what we do. And if I don't have that background knowledge of what's going on in that classroom or what the curriculum map looks like or how it aligns to state and, um, and 
Common Core standards, it's very difficult for me to provide the necessary feedback. So I'm gonna, as a, as a leader in the future, I have to make sure that I have all of those um, pieces in line before I walk into a classroom. And that seems like a really big task that um, I'm starting to have a lot more understanding and grace with my leaders as I'm realizing all of the different hats they wear on a, on a single day. So um, so it was very telling as, what, as to what it would be like to walk into different classrooms, especially in an area that is not my expertise. Um, so that was a big part. It was a lot messier, much more difficult. And Becca's going to talk about the importance of the growth mindset and anything else <laughs> that you want. Yeah. So I think as a relator, something that I put down also in one of my reflections is that I strongly believe that relationships and building culture are the essential first step of creating the collaborative environment in which effective evaluation and feedback can be implemented successfully. So as we were talking about earlier, as a coach, both of us, athletic coaches and teachers, um, it's really important as a coach that you know each of your individual players and what they respond mm -hmm. to and how they respond and what their styles are. Um, some people might want that little extra, you know, just give it to me straight. Some people might need it to be a little gentler. So how do you come alongside each player, each teacher, each person in your building and help support them and scaffold the feedback and instruction where observations and, and practices are concerned for them is really important. So that's part of the morale and the culture in each building. And I think that's also why it was so difficult for us because not having had the most established relationships with all of these teachers going into their rooms, we didn't want them to be defensive and we wanted to make sure we were saying the right things that supported them. So it was really difficult to know how to support them without that established relationship. So that just goes to show you how important it is for me personally and Emily also as leaders that we get to know all of the people in our building so that we know how to support them and how to do it in a meaningful way um, that they're okay with us coming alongside and working with them collaboratively. Um, so that is kind of my takeaway, and it was a lot more difficult, and for those reasons I just said, because you want to help support and be positive and be an effective coach. So really taking the time to put in those relationships and build the culture before you can go in and give feedback and provide those supports is crucial. I think that's a wrap. Anything else? No. Uh, thanks for listening to our podcast. Our 30-minute podcast. That was too long. <laughs> Bye. Bye.